Welcome to It's an Amazing Show, a podcast where I'm enjoying the anime that I'm watching, and I just really want to talk about it. I'm your host, Cameron Duncan, and why don't we just talk about it? So this is actually my debut episode of the podcast itself. You know, what with uh, quarantine life, I had to, you know, try to find a lot of things to, you know, humor myself. You know, I've pretty much I pretty much tried it all. I've done like felt work, I've done baking, I've done reading, building models, like I've been watching like a lot more TV than usual. Um, you know, I've been watching Unreal, which is unreal. Like it it goes inside reality shows. Like you get to see the producer's side of reality shows and it's wild. It's really changed my way of like thinking about you know bravo shows and like 90 day fiance like i can't like think the same way again about it like now i always have to think that there's somebody like egging on um egging on like cult from 90 day where they're just like your mom just won't let you do whatever you want so (laughs) why don't you just you know why don't you just tell her you're over it but really gaslight her about it like really make her feel bad because that's just how he is on the show. Like, he's... Oh, my God. He's such a gaslighter. Like, I I could pass out from the amount of fumes from his gaslighting. With quarantine, I also work... I also work, like, a night shift job. So, by the time that I do get days off, the times where I would be hanging out with my sister, I'm asleep. And by the time she's asleep, I'm already awake and... It's really hard to find things to do by myself, like, at three in the morning without, like, waking her up. So I, um, I've just been, like, re-watching a lot of anime, and I really, like, want to talk about it. And I really, like, want to, like, just discuss these topics, and, because I enjoy them, and I don't want to, like, pressure people into watching them. Like, you know, some people like other things. Some people don't even like anime. Like, I have a lot of friends that don't enjoy anime, and that's okay. Like, I'm not trying to, like, smother it in people's faces. Like, I'm not trying to be like, you need to stop what you're doing, you need to sit down, and you need to watch it. No. This, the sole purpose of this podcast is just, I'm really enjoying it. You can watch it, and if you like it, that's great. If you watch it and you don't, that's great too. I'm just making it because I just really want to talk about it. So this is an anime that I, I actually was just like sitting on the couch not too long ago. I was just kind of flipping through YouTube and I had seen this before. I'd seen this title before and like it didn't really like intrigue me that much. I didn't really like try to look into anything about it. So I kind of like let it go. I think it was like a couple nights ago. I had seen it again, and I don't know. I think I was just really, like... I think I was just kind of, like, mentally exhausted, and I was just, like, whatever. It it sounds good. It's free. I'll watch it. And I was blown away. I was really surprised. So the anime movie that I'm covering today, it's Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below, and this movie was created by uh, Makoto Shinkai, who I had to do some digging. I didn't realize this because the artwork just looks so different. 
um, compared to some of his newer work, but he had actually created some anime that really stuck with me. If you are familiar with his works, you know that he he had created films such as like Your Name, Weathering With You, which I had just seen in theaters, you know, before everything got bad, um, and Five Centimeters Per Second, which is like that movie. That one affected me more on an emotional level than I think a lot of other animes had at that time. And, you know, and his films are pretty wonderful. Like, I really recommend them if you get a chance to watch, sit down and watch them. Like, the characters in his films, you know, they have to deal with saying goodbye or letting go of something or someone that they love. And uh, Children Who Chase Lost Voices, he covers that more in depth. He covers that in a way of not only are you losing something, but this is the process of letting go. This is the process of coming to terms with your loss and how you deal with it. And we'll get more into that when I kind of briefly talk about it. So I'll just cover some of the facts about the movie. So Children Who Chase Lost Voices um, from Deep Below came out in May 2011. So what's really cool about Makoto is he's an animator, he's a filmmaker, and he's also a manga artist. In April, he had already started working on the books. So that's really freaking cool. I luckily found online uh, the first two volumes. I haven't found any more, but um, if you find them, I recommend them. They're, They're really good. I personally recommend watching the movie first and then reading the books if you have a chance, because the book's cover a little bit more about what's going on and you kind of understand a little bit more about the characters and their reasons for doing things which kind of like fills in those gaps that you think you might be missing so the music composer that worked with makoto was um astushi shirakawa or they go by tenmon um they've actually worked with makoto since 1999 and this movie so this movie was actually the last film that they had collaborated in and like my god i i don't know what else to say the music was just so beautiful like i it was just you can just feel the amount of love that was put into it with as long as they had worked together they understood each other and it really showed in the movie it really showed that they wanted to make something beautiful and they wanted to also enhance that with the music and it worked i think it was one of the most beautiful soundtracks i think i'd heard comparatively to a studio ghibli movie their music's always great but i think this was so beautiful and i was blown away this movie was licensed by sentai filmworks if you know sentai they've done a lot of anime shows such as is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon akami ga kill Beautiful Bones, Sakuroko's Investigation. And you can also tell that this is a Sentai film works um, based on the English voice actors. Um, if you find it on YouTube, you can actually watch it in English. And, you know, it's got it's got voice actors that have worked with Sentai films um, for a long time. There's Asuna is voiced by Hilary Hogg. You know, she's worked with Sentai for a very long time. And it's always good to hear her voice. It's so unique and it just, it stands right out and you can tell instantly who it is. So, you know, this movie, I don't think it got a lot of promotion. Um, 
especially here in America. I don't think it was really known until um, Adult Swim's Toonami, you know, broadcasted the film in English um, in 2016, which I think I didn't really watch Toonami that much around that time. I think I had a lot of stuff going on, so I may have missed it, or maybe I just wasn't really into it at the time. You know, so I don't think I had ever heard about it. I think it was just a one-night thing, and I think that's when they were kind of experimenting a lot with movies. I'm glad that I watched it now, and I appreciate it, especially enough to make this, like, a debut episode with. Sentai actually held on to the license until about May 2019, where they had lost it. And because they did, the film has been out of print. So if you do have your hands on this movie, good for you. I'm really glad. (laughs) I'm glad you have it. Um, I don't know if anyone else has the license now. I haven't really looked into it. I would like to find the movie because I would really personally like to have this in my collection. So I'm going to get like a little bit into the movie. Um, I'm not going to like fully get into it. I'm just going to kind of briefly, you know, mull over what it's about and like a couple of the characters. And that's pretty much it. So the movie is about a young girl named Asuna, whose dad passed away when she was fairly young. Her mom works as an overnight nurse. She doesn't really understand, like, how to make friends. She just knows that she feels like an outcast. The only, um, you know, real thing that she truly enjoys is going out into the woods, where she plays a radio signal from a stone that her father gave her when she was really young. And the stone plays a song from... She's not sure where the song came from. She's not, um, she doesn't really know um, how the stone works. She just knows that it was a gift from her father and there's some something special in it. And then as the movie goes on, like it it gets really more in depth. We learn about, you know, the, stor- the stone's origins. It comes from the land of Agartha, which was the land of the dead. And the story to that is like when humankind was really in its early stages of being, we humans seeked the guidance of the Quetzalcoatls that were the keepers of the dead. And when humankind got a little bit older and we started relying less on those gods, they went underground. They sealed themselves away from humankind, from the humans that were using them for not good things, only followed by a few groups of humans that um, still respected them and still seeked their guidance. So they sealed themselves away underground. Um, this, as the movie goes on, like we, you know, we meet, we meet a boy from that land, you know, that talks a little bit more about the stone, its true origins. You know, we get to meet the teacher Murasaki, who works with a group called the Archangels that are trying to get into Agartha because Agartha is the land of the dead. You know, Murasaki wants to get in there to bring his wife Lisa back, who had passed away years ago from an illness and an untimely death. And, you know, he wants to do everything he can to get into Agartha and bring his wife back to life. And we meet um, Shun. And Shun is the brother of Shin, uh, who Asuna meets, like, really early into the movie. Uh, We get to see Shun, who is just trying to keep people from coming in to Agartha because Agartha had been uh, invaded so many times and, you know, people were... It was it was a coveted coveted land, and people were trying to get in. And they took riches. They 
They killed guardians. They they were using the keepers not for good. And that's why, that's another reason why they don't appreciate humankind that are coming into their lands. Asuna and Morisaki make their way into Agartha. And it's just, it's them traveling to get to the gate of life and death. Because the gate uh, has the power to bring back the souls of people that had died which was which is Morisaki's goal and Asuna she doesn't really understand it you know she doesn't really have a a reason to go you know even though Morisaki is saying don't you don't you want to bring someone back don't you want to bring back your dad or you know boy that died and she doesn't understand she's like I I never really knew him so I don't know if I want to bring him back. The majority of the movie is just them traveling throughout Agartha. It's all these new experiences and it's like all these new developments and the story progress is just amazing because as it goes on, each character is, you know, slowly coming to terms with what has happened in their lives and how they deal with the the loss and the grief and the the struggles and you know Asuna finally breaks down and she tells herself I've been lonely and you know coming here to Agartha where my father had a connection with I finally have a connection with this man that I knew was my father and I don't remember anything about and you know, I just, I miss him and I miss my mom and I'm lonely. You know, she's been on her own for a really long time and she finally comes to terms with that. And, you know, Morisaki, he blames himself and to the point where he, he hurts himself because he blames himself and he's going to do everything he can to bring her back, to bring back his, his dead wife, Lisa, because he, he blames himself so much that he will do everything he can. And even if it causes, you know, physical pain on him or others around him. And we have Shun, whose younger brother had died. And, you know, Shun finally realizes that even though he's been holding on to this anger of his little brother and, you know, always being compared to him and, you know, never feeling good enough. Shin was a heavy influence on his life. And, you know, he he really did care for his brother. And But because he held on to that anger, he never took a moment to grieve about it. And it's it was really nice to, like, actually see that development between each character as the movie went on. Like, there are moments where... They, they're able to talk to each other about those things. You know, Morisaki like, confronts Asuna and says, we're here into the land of the dead and we're going to the gate. You know, isn't there someone you want to bring back? And Asuna just kind of is like unsure because she's, she's like, I never really thought about bringing my dad back. I loved him and he was my dad, but I never really thought about why I wanted to bring him back, which was she was lonely. You know, Morisaki, he just, he can't deal with the grief of, you know, losing his wife. And even at the end of the movie, he just, you know, he has to pick himself back up and try to live again. That's what I really liked about this movie was just, it never felt boring. The story progress, the 
you know, the character developments. It's only like, other than like a couple moments of like side characters from time to time, it's really just either Asuna and Morisaki, or it's Asuna and Shun, or it's all three of them. And it's just them developing with each other. It's them, you know, talking with each other. And, you know, it's, you know, the character development was great. The the artwork is amazing. I, like, there are some moments where it felt almost like Studio Ghibli to me. Um, until, like, 13 minutes into the movie when, like, one of the Guardian's jaws gets uh, chopped off. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe this is... <laughs> Maybe this is not for kids, so... <laughs> the music, just every time a scene changed, it just, you could... It just affected the scene. If it was the intro into Agartha, like, the music just... Like, the fanfare just started. Or, like, if it was a, a very intense scene, you know, you could just feel the tension from the music. The Guardian designs were incredible. The Azukos were my favorite, by far. And they were pretty scary they were pretty creepy and i i really liked them and as soon as you start watching like like five minutes in there's no dialogue there's no nothing you are just immediately whisked away into asana's stead you are following her it's just it's just silent it just sets the scene and it's it's kind of magical in its own way and so I think this movie was just, it was really good. And I, you know, this was a movie that I didn't intend on watching. I didn't have it in my plans. I just had stumbled upon it one night. And I don't regret watching it. I think it's definitely worth a watch. I think if you are into, I think if you are into the fantasy, fantasy aspect of anime, if you like kind of like Studio Ghibli-esque style of storytelling and designs if you are also more into story than you are action i mean there is action in this movie there's some i mean the action scenes that are shown are really good like you you can just tell that makoto just put his whole being into this movie and he does with a lot of his movies i think i think if you watched weathering with you if you watched five centimeters per second he's telling not only a fantasy story, but he's also telling stories about dealing with emotions and coming to terms with how you feel and growing from them. And and what I really enjoy about Makoto's movies, there's really no true happy ending. It's bittersweet, you know, in Weathering With You, it kind of ends on a bleak note um, for the world, but, you know, the two characters are just with each other, you know, and they're going to be with each other until, you know, the end comes. You know, five centimeters per second, it was, you know, saying, even though you love each other, it's, you have to say farewell, you know, because it just doesn't work. And in this movie, you know, even the ending, the ending itself was very bittersweet too. Austin finally felt like she had to say goodbye to you know, her father and Shin and her friends. She found friendship in Shun and Morisaki. And at the end, she has to say goodbye to them as well. So, and it's just her growing up. And, you know, so it ends, you know, but 
it's not a full happy ending like you know some animes where where everybody gets a happy ending because Makoto doesn't really make movies like that. He doesn't make it to where everybody gets a happy ending, which is the case of Asuna, where you know she had finally understood to finally grieve over the loss of family and friends and coming to terms with her loneliness and growing from that and to keep going. So I think it's a really good watch. I think that if you are into kind of Studio Ghibli-esque movies, if you're into the fantasy type of movies, if you are into, if you're into a lot more story-driven plots than action, I think this is a really good movie for you. I think this is something that I think you would enjoy. Are there are there things that I would probably change? I I think I think there are a couple things that we are missing that probably would help the plot, but I think I understand why they were probably nixed. That being like, why did her father have the stone? Um, and the book kind of the books kind of cover a little bit more into you know Asuna's father's backstory a little bit more into that. Uh, we get to see a little bit more of Shun and Shin. You know, when they were growing up in Agartha, you know, so there are some like some dulled plot lines in the movie that if you have not read the book, they kind of just fall to the wayside. And then when you read the book, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. That's why I kind of enjoyed watching the movie and then reading the books, because from that, I was able to understand it a little bit more. And then, you know, it kind of filled in the gaps for me. But I think that's, I think that was pretty much the only, like, flaw, if that I could find into it was just, you know, some, some plots were missing that really kind of kept the story like, that kind of had a strong point. We kind of get to see Shun, Shun and Shin's relationship and kind of why Shun has issues with Shin and, you know, why, what Shin does. Because Shin doesn't really take the, uh, doesn't really take the laws of Agartha seriously. And, like, he keeps going up to, you know, the top side of the earth and, you know, meets with Asuna and talks with her and, you know, kind of reveals a little bit more of the history behind their world and you know Shun's really against that and you know he's kind of against he kind of fights against what his younger brother does because his younger brother is seen as the you know as more well respected you know and we kind of see more of that in the book so that kind of falls a little bit to the wayside in the movie so we do miss some kind of heavy plot points the book has to kind of carry um but that's really the only like true flaw i could if that's even a flaw of the movie the story was a was really well written it uncovered some really deep meanings and you know i think if you take the time i think if you have a moment and you want something new to watch i think it's definitely worth a watch all right well that actually covers my very first episode of it's an amazing show um join me next week as we get into the spooky season of october and i start covering some of my favorite horror-esque movies and maybe even a couple of my books that i've been enjoying all right everyone thank you so much for listening it's been an amazing show If you enjoy how I'm doing so far and you want to keep up with everything that's coming out later, you can follow me on my social medias on Twitter at 
It's an amazing SH1. Or you can follow me on my personal Twitter at Jane Cameron DUN2 if you just want to stop by and say hi to me. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening. It's been an amazing time, and I hope to see you soon. Bye.